This is In the Absence of Sports, a podcast that talks to coaches, players, broadcasters, and other team personnel affected by the coronavirus pandemic across the sporting world. Here's your host, Jeremy Otto. Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of In the Absence of Sports. Right off the bat, we want to remind you to subscribe if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well. Chime in on Twitter, at Absence of Sports. Again, that's at Absence of Sports. You can follow me there as well, at Jeremy Otto PXP for a play-by-play. Again, that's at J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O. PXP, be sure to like us on Facebook as well by searching In the Absence of Sports. Right off the rip, I wanted to touch on something that's kind of the rave of the sports broadcasting world right now. Joe Buck of Fox Sports did an interview the other day, and there's many articles written about it now out there that says it's almost a done deal that Fox Sports is going to chime in on crowd noise if there's no fans in the stands, and they're also going to put virtual fans in the stands to make it look less empty. So that's that's something very interesting. We posted it on Twitter, and we want to continue to get your thoughts. And if you have thoughts, certainly tweet at us there or send us a message on Facebook or comment on one of our posts. Um, at Horizon Matt, he covers the Horizon League. He has a podcast. We were on it uh, not too long ago. He says, dumb, don't like it. Things are weird. Let's just live in it like the, the time is right now. So it, it certainly is an interesting time, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this stuff come out and, and reports surface like that. But uh, I found that to be very interesting. So uh, I want to track that and continue to talk about it on the podcast as things unfold. A reminder to listen to Episode 17. It was another good one with a man who's in the transfer portal for NCAA baseball, Dai Otaka. He played at Yale and is looking to grad transfer somewhere. So he has an interesting perspective on kind of how recruiting has changed. A little bit of our second episode that we've done that, Trey Maddox, a long time ago before he committed to Cal State Fullerton in basketball, caught up with us. Alan True gave us some insight on football recruiting recruiting as well so some really good stuff from Dai Dai and you know some good stuff in general also check out a, a few episodes back from that we we caught up with Justin Orenduff of the United Shore Professional Baseball League they are looking to become the first pro league at least in the United States slash Michigan to start up again they've created an aggressive timeline of June 10th to start baseball activities up in Utica, Michigan. So let's see if they're able to accomplish that. But uh, Justin, before they knew that time frame, exactly what their plan was going to be caught up with us. But to check out the article, I believe it was on the Detroit News. There's some interesting things. They've actually submitted a report uh, to Governor Gretchen Whitmer here in Michigan to try to formulate a plan to get back as soon as they can. But let's get to today's guest. He has a very interesting perspective because he is right in the thick of college athletics in the NAI. If you don't know what the NAI is, it's the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. Um, it's another secondary uh, league or association just like the NCAA. And a lot of NAI schools can compete with your D2s and certainly your D3s out there. So if, if you never heard of the NAI, check it out. There's a lot of local colleges here in and around Michigan, Madonna University, Marygrove College used to be in the NAI, Cornerstone out on the west side of, of Michigan in the Grand Rapids area, 
Davenport uh, has since moved on to Division Two, but Aquinas as well, um, and then some other really good local schools that put together some really solid teams. So if you haven't uh, seen, any, seen any of that play, check it out. But uh, today we're pleased to have on the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference Commissioner. His name is Rob Miller. Rob, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you having or coming on with us as well. And we have a number of things that we want to dive into with. But I guess the first thing that uh, I kind of want to talk about, the WAC released a uh, press release just a couple days ago saying that they're going to do everything in their power to you know, kind of push forward with this fall season given that campuses are open. Is there any chance that you know, we see seasons without you know, in-person classes, you think? I would say I would say we're leaning against that, but on the other hand, I think that's a decision for the institutions to make. Our role as the conference is, if they're in a situation they want to compete and they have the ability to compete, then our mechanism is to provide those opportunities for them. I think that would be really hard. I think our presidents and our institutions are under uh, – their goal is to have some sort of on-campus student experience and included in that is athletics. And so we're looking at that, how that might take place. Yeah, we we look at some of the smaller institutions, and, and you might think maybe those have a better chance to compete based off the class sizes compared to what the NCAA is, is going to deal with. Do you think you know that's accurate, or it's too early to tell just based off area and you know, everything that goes into it? You know, it's probably too early to tell from a, from a strictly a geographical perspective, because as you know, I live out here near Kansas City, and we're going through a very different environment than what you're going through, you know, in southeastern Michigan. Saying that, I think you're right, um, and, and the reason, I, that's a personal opinion, I think it's a lot easier to put into play some of the social distancing and some of that on smaller campuses versus your large, you know, your 10, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 size institutions, um, and so I think there is some opportunity that may not exist at the larger schools. Time will tell. Yeah, in that release, you guys said that you know you're kind of relying on the GLIAC and the MIAA. The MIAA is a Division Three conference, the GLIAC a Division Two conference, and then a fellow division or an NAI conference in the Crossroads. What have they communicated with you, I guess, and, and kind of tandem figured out over the last month or so? Yeah, what we're looking at is it's not really relying on them. We'll go on our own if we if we have the if we have institutions say we want to do this. But I think that the atmosphere is for us all to work together. Because I think what you're going to see, regardless of situation, regardless if we open up or not, is if we do open up, competition is going to shrink. And what I mean by that is I don't think you're going to see the trips, you know, to say we're going to go down to Florida, we're going to go out to California. It's going to be closer to home. And so I think what we want is the opportunity, one, to be on the same, you know, what are we all thinking? And then number two is, if needed, can we provide opportunities for competition between our conferences you know, that happens now, but it just might happen at a greater level. Um, I think what we're hearing is we're all in about the same place. You know, you saw the MIAA made a release, I think, just a few hours before we did. Their presidents are expecting the same. I've seen not necessarily something directly out of the GLIAC, but I've seen presidents within the GLIAC say they're planning on being on campus. The crossroads in the same situation we are. So I think we're all headed down that same route. Um, I hope we get there together, and then that way it provides for more opportunities for student-athletes. Do you have a feel for what your protocol will be for fans this season or not quite yet? We're not at the fan situation yet. I think that's obviously going to be one very big discussion. 
But I think right now our concerns are how do we safely make this happen? And once we do, what's the model look like? What What is it? It may not look the same as looked in other years, so we have to look at that as well. Is the trainer going to be the most important piece of the puzzle in this, you think? From from a day to day, they probably will on the front end. Needless to say, on the front end of it, you know, we're all working together to come up with those. What's it going to require for us to have athletics? Um, and I think on the front end, they're going to be the ones that get told, okay, you're the one that has to be doing this and this and this. And so obviously, a lot's in their hands. What I've really appreciated is I know our trainers have had a proactive approach to this. And the NAI is going to be releasing some information, I think, in the near future about some things that can help our trainers as they look at this and move forward on each campus. I think you're going to see a baseline. Now, obviously, that whether it be the CDC or whoever tells us, here's what you have to do. And then I think you'll see the conference say, you know, maybe we want to add this. And then you're going to see each institution add their own layers to it. All that's going to have to go through the athletic trainer. Will all this affect eligibility for incoming freshmen to either NAI or NCAA schools, you think, at all? I think what's going to happen is that you're going to find, yeah, it, could it? Yeah, it could. But I think like we did in the spring, I think you're going to find both associations really um, flexible in, in knowing that if we start a season and it doesn't last very long, you know, what's that going to look like? And can we restore eligibility like we did in the spring? And so I think there's going to be, it's going to be an eye. I talked to Jim Carr at the NAI, the CEO the other day, and I think it was, he said it, you know, you just go one day at a time and be flexible. If other conferences in the NAI and, and certainly in the Midwest start canceling, what does that mean for the WAC, I guess? Well, I think there's a key with that. Um, you know, what the, the question is national competition, local competition. From a national level, the NAI is going to have to make a decision, and they have a plan come July 1, will they move forward in, in, in having national championships? Obviously, we would like that. I do believe there's a secondary, even without national championships, can you have local competition? And so I think that those two will play off each other. Um, I do believe, to be honest with you, we're kind of the outlier. I think right now, and this could all change in a week's time, we all know that, but right now, I think you're probably seeing the ones out here in the Midwest, closer to the Plains area, are farther advanced in getting down this road than we are. And just because of the situation we're in compared to them. So you would be allowed to potentially have a season, even if there's other conferences that cancel. And obviously, there, there's nothing set in stone. NAI could say tomorrow, hey, look, there's there's too many conferences that are canceling you know, August 1, and we're just not going to go forward with it because we don't see it as smart. But there's nothing saying that maybe you couldn't uh, do that if it allowed? Yeah, there's nothing that says we can't hold it. If the, if the governing body says we're not having a year, can we have a year anyways? The question comes back to your previous question, how does that affect eligibility? And those would be the questions you'd have to figure out. I do believe at our level, many of our students understand, you know, they're in a situation where do they, do they stick around an extra year just because of sports or do they need to get their education and move on? And so there's that balance for all of us to be considering as we move forward. Talking here with Rob Miller, the WAC Commissioner Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference in the NAI. I want to touch on a, a subject now that's pretty sad, and I didn't know much about Matt Zercher, but uh, tell us about him. He was the recipient of the Patrick Moore slash Mike Dean SID of the Year Award to legends, uh, you know, one who has passed away as well, and Patrick, who I knew fairly well. Uh, but Matt, unfortunately, passed away, uh, you know, all too soon. Tell us, you know, what he impacted the conference and just athletics in general. 
You know, and he's with us for just such a short time coming to UNOH this last year. And, but he had done such a great job in, in doing what they were doing, was making an impact, was getting engaged, was really, really as set a, set a high standard. And um, he just unfortunately had nothing to do with COVID-19. Uh, it was just one of those things. He had some previous conditions, and uh, he passed away unexpectedly at that point. And so I think our SID is really in a case to recognize his quality of work and to recognize what he had brought to the conference, thought this honor was a, an honor to bestow on him. And I think it was a very great gesture from our SIDs. Um, we have many deserving sports information directors in this conference. But they decided Matt was, for what he'd done and the recognition we could provide him for that short time he was with us, it was well worthwhile. And if uh, you don't know about Patrick Moore, you should look him up. There's um, also a, a scholarship, to, not a, a fundraiser, I, I guess, in effect right now to try to build him a press box and his name at Madonna University. So mucrusaders.com for more information on that. I want to kind of circle back to you know what the WAC is doing right now. We just saw about a month ago you guys released that Marion University was accepted as an associate member for men's wrestling. That's a sport that's now being sanctioned uh, by the conference. What else may be in the pike coming up for the WAC in the future here? Well, I think kind of now we're kind of in this. We're not sure. Uh, you know, I think that but there's there's other things that schools are starting, and we'll have to take a look at them as they come. Wrestling kind of came over the course of the last two or three years. You saw it growing. You saw it gaining momentum. Um, we got to five, but we needed that sixth one. So having Marion was a good thing for us to give us that automatic as we move forward inside the the national association. As you look at other sports, you know, I think. You know, we are a hockey conference. That's not within the NAIA because they don't sponsor hockey. We are a hockey conference, so we'll continue to look on men's hockey to see how that fits within our conference. And as women's hockey grows, how will that potentially fit within the conference? Um, other sports coming, our, our women's um, women's wrestling starting to get a little bit of attraction. But then I think the one that's fun, that's a kind of, they're all fun, I shouldn't say that, but the one that's intriguing because it just got announced, was the NAIA and the NFL partnered, and the NFL is helping schools who want to, and there's like the first 20, 25, something like that, that want to start a women's flag football team as a varsity sport. And the they'll partner to run a national championship in that in 2022, or a national invitational in 2022. And that's getting some traction within the association, the national I could see it eventually getting traction within our conference, but I think right now the priorities have gone off those till we really understand what this coming fall looks like. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. I didn't know some of those things. Um, how will, you know, what the NCAA rules, whenever they do, affect what the NAI does? Will it? Um, I think there's always some, um, you know, some information that goes back and forth that, you know, you understand the landscape depending where you are in the country. Uh, there's one's uh, when one makes it's always going to impact the other. There's no doubt about that, but they can work independently as well. So I think I know Jim at the NAIA has always said we're going to make the best decisions for our association. But you also got to look and see, okay, why they make that decision at the NC2A? How will that impact us? And then you follow through, and they're doing the same—not not D1, but at, at D2 and D3. I think you, they, everyone takes a close look at each other. 
are there going to be certain sports that are going to be easier to launch than others in terms of whatever it means, whether it means testing for players, um, you know, just the extra precautions that trainers and athletic departments are going to take to make sure that the field of play is safe. Is there, is there anything easier to set up for, you think, or is it just all different based off the situation? No, I think there's a couple that are easier in the fall that you you can see by just walking out and seeing what people are doing right now. And that would be your golfs, your cross countries. Um, I think are out there and are potentially are, are much easier to do because even a cross-country race, yes, you know, the normal is you start them all at one spot, but you could do a modified and start in smaller groups and then just keep times. So I think, you know, there are things you can do in those sports that, that if we are on campus and we're having sports, those kind of match in faster to get underway. Then you kind of got your next sports, the tennis and the volleyballs, that have no real – contact within within the the opponent but you do have some contact on the ball how does that work do you need you know how can you make sure so that's the secondary and then the third tier is the soccers and the footballs that are just a little bit more different because the nature of the game and the contact that comes with it so i think you'll see that i think one of the interesting things for me is um we always think fall sports fall sports fall sports which is true but our winter sports start practicing in late September, early October. So we can't forget about the bowlings, the basketballs, the you know other sports, uh, hockeys, and things like that that could start not long after school would start. And so we got to be prepared for all those sports. For those that don't know NAI or WAC play in general, why is the WAC so good? You know, I think we have really done a. The, the, there's a couple things that stand out. We're a full conference. And what I mean by that is you go many places um, at, at D2 and NAI and, and even some in D3. And, and what I mean by that is they'll have, you know, 10 sports. They'll have 12 championship sports, something like that. Um, D3 might, you know, some conferences out East, not necessarily the MIAA, which is an excellent conference, but you go out East and you may find some conference. They have 14 sports, but three or four of them are really good. And the rest, I you get to our conference, we have 26 championships, and we have 26 quality champions. We have some, I mean, our, our, our sports are high-quality athletics at our level, and we're broad-based. Add to that the fact that we're in a smaller footprint where our athletes can travel, our athletes don't have to miss a lot of class, our athletes, our parents and fans can get to games because we're in that smaller footprint. It just makes it a good experience. I think our student-athlete experience stands out because of the quality and because of where we can move with it. So that's kind of what I think really plays into why we're, we're really top-level conference. Yeah, we've seen Rochester and Cleary, two of the more newer members of the conference, come in within the last five years. Is there room for more if somebody knocks on the door? I'm sure if the, if it was a person that could come in, a school, I should say, that could come in and add to us, yeah, there's no doubt we'd always consider taking someone else. Because the one thing is you look at it, there's only, we have 12 members, full-time members, and then we have a lot of single sport members in bowling and, and other sports. But if you look, we only have two sports where we fill all 12 spots, or three sports where we fill all spots. And that would be, uh, volleyball, all 12 of our members sponsor volleyball. All 12 of our members sponsor soccer, men's and women's. After that, 
we may have 12 members, but not all 12 sponsored. Now, in bowling, we have more than 12, but that's because of our single sport members. And when the Crossroads has that, you'll, that'll go away. And we'll be at about nine or 10 members. So there's always room because we have that. You know, if you look at the, the two basketballs, we have 11 sponsoring basketball. So there's room to add another basketball program. And so there's always room to add if it's the right school that can come in and make us better and we can, they're a good fit for us. You know, two things that stick out to me in terms of, you know, something that's going to be key to play coming back for you guys or any other conference around the United States. Number one, you got the president's buy-in, which I think is big. Number two, you know, they're committed to hopefully having classes in person. What do you think that third pillar of that, to, you know, of importance to getting back in? Well, I think there's no doubt it's the outside influencers for us. Um, one, we have to have, I, I should come back and say the third pillar is we have to have a really good plan. And uh, our plan involves around three areas. What are the precautionary steps from a, from a safety standpoint that have to be in play for us to, to provide safe competition? Number two, what do the models potentially look like? Meaning, you know, we could start on time, but we could start September 1, which would be a month behind. What do our schedules look like? How do we address competition? The third part of the plan would be the response. What happens if we get into this and something happens? Somebody tests positive. How do we, what do we do and how do we respond to that? Those things have to be addressed before we go into this. And so that's what we're working on right now. The fourth pillar is something that's out of our control, and that is what, how, what we're told we can and cannot do. And that's the pillar that's always out there. We're moving ahead as if we can go and, and we'll deal with things as they come and, and kind of hop on our train and we have to deal with them. So we're looking forward to that. Well, Rob, thanks for uh, taking some time here today. It did put a smile on my face as somebody who's covered, you know, a lot of whack athletics over the last, you know, in my college days and, and certainly recently as well to see that press release the other day. I mean, it, it's always nice to see something positive because, we're drowned so much on social media and just the internet in general right now with negative news. So I think that was a that was a, a good gesture on your part, not only to, to try to you know push this thing forward, but also put some positive things out there. So thank you, I guess, uh, for that as well. Well, thank you because you know you're exactly right. We need to we need to focus on some of the positive stuff and don't let the negative stuff drown us out. Well, Rob, uh, have a great day. We look forward to catching up as this thing starts to unfold, and hopefully we see some games this fall. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. That's Rob Miller, Commissioner of the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. Well, that just about wraps up Episode 18 of In the Absence of Sports here today. We want to remind you to subscribe. Go to Apple Podcast. Pause this right now and subscribe to us. Give us a nice rating there as well. You can follow us on SoundCloud and on Twitter at Absence of Sports. Again, that's at Absence of Sports. Like us on Facebook, In the Absence of Sports as well. we got one more week of podcasts, probably a couple more coming at you next week, and then we're going to take a couple-week break, uh, but come back, and hopefully by that time we're, we're starting to talk a little bit more about how sports teams are, are getting closer to competition. We've seen everything that Major League Baseball has put out there. An interesting um, interview done to the one of the starting pitchers for the Rays, the former Cy Young award winner in Blake Snell. He says, I'm not playing for a reduced salary. I'm putting myself at risk uh, playing in this climate. I'm going to be at high risk to contract COVID-19 if the season starts. So I'm interested to see how many players – 
you know, not only in Major League Baseball, but around the sporting world respond in that same fashion? And how many come out in public and, you know, illustrate what they're thinking in these tough times as well? We'll see you next week at some point. Have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to In the Absence of Sports. Interact with the show and Jeremy on Twitter at JeremyAutoPXP. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O-P-X-P. See you again soon for another episode of In the Absence of Sports.